Okay, good morning this uh, wonderful morning outside uh, to the Five Property Show. Today we're going to be talking about brown but not out. Keeping your garden lush for viewings in the hot summer. And we're coming into autumn. Autumn campaign has started already, hasn't it? It's I mean, our parks nice. and our gardens baked to a baked to a crisp. Luscious green lawns are starting to feel like a distant memory. But that can be challenging when selling your home. Given that the gardens are deal breakers for more home buyers than ever because it's used as a usable outside space and another more or less, could we call it a reception room? Possibly. I definitely would. Yeah. As well as stopping people on their tracks while scrolling through online listings, your garden can be the deciding factor in turning a viewing into an actual sale. Often I've actually got people out to the back garden sitting in the summer sun and their their mood has completely changed. Have you guys noticed that? Totally have, Jim. And you can see, I apologise, guys, for behind my screen, but the sun is beating in my window on this beautiful morning. I can't do anything about it. But yeah, I noticed that actually even with viewings, but also with listings, Jim, I was out at a client the other day and we actually did the meeting in the garden. It was fantastic. And it was just such a more relaxed atmosphere. It just brings something extra to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Say so, yeah, good morning. Good morning, Andrea. Um, for anybody out there, if you've got any questions, comments, or hit that like button, even give us some social reach for other people. Share this, tag other people in that are looking to sell or buy as well. Because these, this is a masterclass in in how to buy and sell a property and how to how to how to make your property look as right as possible for the right season. And I mean that. There's no point in having summer photographs in winter. Because no. it, it just looks daft. It doesn't look normal in that case. And then people realise that. And while it gives your uh, property attention, it just looks out of place uh, to everything else. And it doesn't it doesn't then match what people see when they come round. And that, my friends, is called a property misdescription, which is actually technically against the law. Traditional gardens are became, beginning to struggle with climate change. Um, to keep them green, healthy and resilient through hotter summers and soggy winters, uh, professional gardeners are digging around for alternative planting ideas and sustainable new techniques. Regardless of hose pipe bans, conserving water is a responsible practice. That can also cut your bills as well. But how can you stop your garden from withering in the heat without deserting your eco-friendly principles. Well, you're in the right place. Um, from watering wisdom to drought-resilient planting and clever designing, this week's show is all about the scorching hot tips to wow your viewers into the hardy summer oasis. So let's kick off. Um, getting wise with watering. I know we've put this as the title, Perry, but you mm -hmm. know, what's your thoughts on this? I think it is. It's not just for your plants. It's also for your wildlife as well, Jim. I mean, there's more to watering plants than drenching the leaves or leaving your watering cans and hose pipes, which nobody wants to do because obviously we want to try yeah. and conserve water a bit when it's like this. But the fact is that the last thing you should be doing is, if you want your garden to beat the heat, is drowning it because actually that doesn't help it either. Yeah. You've got to get that right balance, haven't you? Um, yeah. And what I actually do is I leave my empty watering can out and then if we do happen to get rain and things through the night it kind of part fills and that's just a little extra bit just to run around before it gets too warm 
So by being clever, there are ways that you can use your water. That's one of the things I do. Um, but you can save time and effort as well while you're doing it. Um, and it helps your garden and your plants and everything look lovely, lush and green. Um, I've got some geraniums at the moment and actually they look fantastic. But with this rain that we've had recently, some of the flowers have all wilted. But I yeah. purposefully haven't watered them. I've just gone around and deadheaded everything so that actually then they'll become flush again. But I think you really need to check the, the soil that your plants are growing in as well because they mm -hmm. can get a bit kind of too droughty. Um, and water, if you water them and leave, let them get too dry, it just all runs out and then nothing's going to grow. Um, but you check it that it is moist. If the soil is moist, then don't water it because actually you're just going to give it too much and then your garden will get spoiled a little bit. Yeah. Um, but your plants, you know, they may need may not even need watering all of the time. Just because it's hot outside doesn't mean to say you have to go around every day watering them because actually you can do more harm than good. They need to be a bit dry as well because that helps all your roots. It makes yeah. it lovely and more flourishing. Um, targeting your roots is a good thing. Um, you can water from down upwards. So again, you can get these little plate things that you can put under your pots and you put the water in the plate rather than on top of the pot. Because actually if it's too dry, it just that. runs all the way through. You see that time and time again, don't you, when you go over to places like Spain, you see the actual cone that goes into the ground and they actually water the plant from the from the, the irrigation, the cone point, uh, and they don't actually put it on the top. They just put mm -hmm. it straight directly into the root um, because mm -hmm. often under the ground, it's it's more moist under there. So the, the plant's fine. Um, often, as you, you see as well, I, I noticed a recent comment when we've got these flash, these flash and thunder and lightnings, um, um, there was people commenting on the fact that the ground was too hard on the top that mm -hmm. it never gave enough time for the actual water to actually uh, soak into the soil because mm -hmm. it was baked more or less and mm -hmm. literally just all the water just ran off and straight into the into the um, uh, the gutters and into the drains. It's exactly what happened and actually it happened with some of my pots Jim because I went out the next day and my pots were full of water at the top but when I kind of, so I tipped the pots to get the water out because I thought, oh gosh, everything's going to die. There's too much water in there. Tipped the water out. But actually within a day, they were bone dry again. So the water hadn't permeated all the way down to the root. It had just sat because everything was dry. Did you did you not notice in the news that it was almost like we'd never seen thunder and lightning before? <laughs> <laughs> it was bad though, I tell you. See, when that big clap happened about two in the morning, I actually, honestly, I jumped up out of my bed. I thought the whole house was collapsing. It was so loud. But then other people I spoke to didn't even hear it. They were sound asleep. If you go out to Spain, it's like that most more or less all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just get intense heat for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, fork lightning, crash, <laughs> thunder. And then it's then it's all over within an afternoon. And then, then almost an hour later, the place is bone dry again. It's true. You do, and it's actually not something we see often, is it? But it's that... I remember it when I was younger, but I saw it recently when that happened. In the paths, it was like when the steam starts coming off the paths because it got so warm after the rain yeah. thunder. It was, it's lovely. It's quite nice. You'll have experienced that when playing golf, Jimmy, you know, in these hot countries. And, and the fact that, you know, the rain would come on and you go, aye, OK, then. And, and, and normally here, everybody would run for waterproofs. But more or less, when you're out there, it's like it'll, it'll dry out within half an hour. Yeah, a lot of people, um, well, the the storm that we had, that was the hard, loudest I heard in the UK in my time. But um, the only time I can recall anything like that was in South Africa. But that was in the summer, their summer. Um, that was around about March time I was there. But that was common. It was like, you know, it's going to be an hour. Then you just back out on a golf course. They're like, this will be an hour. And it was like they knew exactly when it was going to start and finish. But um, 
playing golf yeah i'm not someone that takes the waterproofs on and off people get all into that i'm just like right i'll just get my rain glove on and let's just crack on <laughs> get on with yeah. it I mean, what uh, when it comes to the golf courses, you can see that as well when you're out in the hotter countries. Um, they, they will water first thing in the morning, and mm. they will leave it to the late evening, if not during the night. The automatic sprinklers come on to water the course during the night as well. So the soil is cooler at that time, and it's more absorbent uh, through that process. Um, it's a, it's a, well, it's I suppose it's staying on top of the weeds as well. I mean, the weeds actually take a lot from of a lot of water from the plants, don't they? They really do. Um, and actually, it's amazing where they come from, because even in my pots, I've had to go around because in the top of the pots, um, there's some weeds growing. And you think, how did they get there even? Because that's, you know, it's not like they're in the ground, but you do need to pick them out because it does make a difference. And actually try to pick them out when it's a dry day because they come out really easy. I never I never even thought about it until now. You know what an analogy I could use? It's almost like you're eating your food and then all of a sudden five other people turn up and actually start eating your food as well. <laughs> And it's, and it's like, how far do you think you're going to get? You're going to starve. So mm-hmm. that that actually puts it into perspective in the fact that the, the what weeds actually do. I mean, weeds effectively are plants, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but we classify them as weeds. And there is an argument for what we call a rewilding. Um, or maybe that's just an excuse for the council not to do any work. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the reason they're given all the time for parks around Fife. <laughs> I heard that word getting used for St Monans for the for the park out there. It's like, oh, we're, we're intending to have it rewilding. It's like, all right, okay. In other words, you're just going to neglect and leave it then. It's for the bees and butterflies is what they keep telling us. Yeah. I mean, if your schedule doesn't allow you for the daily watering activities, uh, look at the drip irrigation systems. Uh, by directing your water straight to the root zone, uh, they're one of the most efficient gardening hacks uh, for conserving water. Uh, probably another one as well is what my father used to do, is he used to just put um, old, uh, big, massive 10-gallon uh, 10, 10 uh, drums at, at, the, at the bottom of the, you know, the, the rainwater and the drain pipes. Yeah. And he just used to, on, on his garage and stuff like that, or his shed, mm-hmm. he would just put one at the back of there and then he would just bucket that water out and put it on the plants. Every single sure, time. My dad did the same, yeah. He used to just dunk the water and can into the bucket. Yeah. So it's a more, it's, it's, there is effective methods to actually conserve water and actually keep water. It's just that I, I genuinely think there's a, I genuinely think there's a lot of times we've actually just forgotten all these all these hacks and tips. And often you'll see them appearing back on things like TikTok and that, and folk will go, that's absolutely fantastic. And you think, God, you mm-hmm. used to do that 30, 40 years ago. Um, yeah. and, and everybody thinks like it's the, it's the second coming, it's a revelation and, and knowledge and, and it's like, I, I would never have thought of that. It's like, well, it's just old things that people used to do. Uh, you see that a lot of that coming over now. Um, mm. What about, um, as well as watering your plants, taking care of the soil, is that is that essential? I would say, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, I would agree, Perry. I would say by covering the earth with mulch and yep. you insulate the ground against summer heat uh, and winter frost, so protecting the roots and from drying out or, or freezing as well. So even when you go into winter. Um, well, you see that, Jimmy, that's quite a good one because you actually see that. And I think it's Peter Perry is actually doing that outside and he snooped it out. Um, he's got all the carrots. Yeah. So what they do is they cover all the carrots, um, they cut off the tops and then they cover all the carrots uh, in the fields and they just leave them in the ground, but they cover it all with, um, you know, straw and everything on top to actually protect it from any any uh, elements like for extreme heat or extreme cold. 
and then when they're ready to actually harvest, then they just take the the the, the cover off or the mulch or whatever it is, and then they just take up off the ground and they start wheeling along the tractors along to the uh, distribution centres. Um, mm -hmm. So I've, I've just seen that recently, and I thought it was only probably only a couple of years ago I actually realised that that's what they were doing because I always used mm -hmm. to wonder how they were able to keep, you know, how how would you be able to come up with that? You know, how where would you get your carrots in winter? Um, because they wouldn't grow in the ground, and that's that's effectively what they're doing. They grow them during the summer. And then just uh, cover them up, and then just keep them in the ground until they're ready, and then take them out. Great idea. You've seen a lot of, well, I'm seeing a lot of tractors and stuff, and they've all got their stuff on the back, ready to go. And <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what exactly? What exactly is mulch, Jimmy? And how how do you how do you use it effectively? Well, mulch comes in many different guises. Um, yeah, guises, including uh, gravel, bark, yeah. compost, grass clippings, leaves, and as you said, straw. Yeah, so um, that is effectively what they're doing. Yeah, what they know, well, from what I know, they normally spread it a thick layer of about two inches deep over yeah. wet soil. So it's key to do it at the right time, otherwise it's not going to be effective. Yeah. Um, and they water directly onto the mulch at the base of the plants uh, to go straight to the roots. So again, mm -hmm. as you say, what they do in Spain, straight into the into the roots to make sure it's effective. And what they do is they reapply your mulch late by layer by layer every sort of six months, um, ideally in the spring and autumn. Mm -hmm. One uh, thing that one of the things actually that I saw, I know we, you've given some examples there, and I'd never heard of this. And it was a yeah. fake farmer, and I wish for I wish for the life of me I could remember which farm it was, but I just can't slip my memory. But in the spring, he had it all over social media. And what he was doing, and it's apparently it's something from, again, like you were saying, Jim, bygone days that farmers used to do. But actually, when they come to shearing the sheep, they were actually using the sheep fur and using that for mulch. And he yeah. said it's such a great way to do it because it keeps the water in. Obviously, the sheep do because they're out in the rain and whatnot. But apparently, it really soaks it in and holds it well. So he was like putting it all in the plant pots and was kind of helping people. And he actually put a big advert up to say, anybody local was wanting any just to go along and get it which was brilliant that's because effectively they, they were going about the fact that sheep you know the the wool was wasn't really wasn't really any, worth anything no it was priceless so it, now. it yeah, obviously yeah. made sense at that time to actually use it for for repurpose for, for other things other than that because mm -hmm. there was no really no really a huge demand for them at that point in time especially when you get things like you know extreme summers where it's mm -hmm. really, really hot, and you know who's wanting to go and buy, you know, cotton and wool and all the rest of it to mm -hmm. to have, um, you know, warm clothes. Um, mm -hmm. That would be, that'd probably be the last thing you do. I mean, you know, is it, you know, is mulch extremely practical, Penny? I think it is really practical actually because it does reduce how often you have to water your plants. So again, if you're like busy people, I know myself sometimes I've struggled to care for my garden as much as I'm loving putting it together. But actually, you know, sometimes you can't manage it in the morning because you've got your rush for getting to work or what have you. And then by the time you get home in the evening, sometimes you're just too exhausted to do it, aren't you? Yeah. So you can't forget. And then it's a shame because then your garden starts to wilt and then all that original effort kind of disappears. But it does save you time. Um, I think your plants don't need as much water then. So, again, if it's raining and the water's getting in there, you're safe reserving the, the water. Um, but it also can be quite beautiful and elevate the look of your garden, some mm -hmm. of it. Um, you can put lots of dash of colour through it you know that thing we were talking about with the sheep fire I mean you could you could put little strains through it where you glitter or stones or brightness and, and it just makes it really nice yep. and you can do kind of some lovely natural designs so not only is it making your garden look nice 
<clears throat> is providing a really practical service in regards to keeping your garden green and flourishing and also saving you a wee bit of time so you can actually maybe just sit in the garden and have a wee glass of wine and uh, worry about watering it. <laughs> yeah, yeah the classic example is the the bark the bark chips there's a lot of people mm -hmm. put it on to stop the weeds don't they um, mm -hmm. and, and it's quite effective and it's quite decorative as well so it, exactly. it can it can really it can really make your garden pop especially when it comes to a time at this time of year when we're going into autumn um, where the golden brown leaves and mm -hmm. everything's right you know it's just right it's just at that point where everything just looks great um, before it all disappears within two weeks <laughs> i don't <laughs> i used to have a standard joke it was like you know you used to go out to, i used to go on holiday we used to go exactly at the in august so august was the classic example the two weeks in august um, uh, just start off. and it was primarily because um primarily because uh, it was the school holidays but you always used to find just as you were leaving you always you almost like one leave fell off the off the tree and then by the time you came back it was completely bare <laughs> it is it's amazing how it can change in just a few weeks actually funnily enough billy and i were talking about it last night how it's, you can start to see that darkness starting to come in the evenings now can't you and we've got a lovely big tree it's actually in the houses opposite us but this week i've noticed i don't know if it's because of the hard rain that we had but yeah. certainly there's a lot more leaves falling but I don't think it's because it's autumns have come any quicker. I think as well, as part of, again, the heat, isn't it? We talk about this, the scorching and whatnot. I think a lot of the trees have been so dry for so long that actually the leaves are coming off because they haven't got water in it. And that's the problem. Yeah. So, but when you think about the logic, I mean, you know, this is probably when we're going into this time of year, is it the fact that viewings will get, well, what will happen about viewings? Because it's obviously getting darker at night. What do we do about that, Jimmy? Well, it's just managing people's expectations on 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 the viewing. A lot of people work, so they can't view out of hours. But yeah, the amount of times that people I have taken out of hours to do viewings, their normal comment is, "I need to come back and see it in the light." So it's just managing people's yeah. expectations and the light. Sometimes we'll have to do. Sometimes we'll have to do weekends, but it's just trying to make it fit for everybody. If if people have a young family, sometimes they can't do out of hours because they're putting the little ones to bed. So it's not um, not practical. So, so personally, personally, the way I see it um, is, is because uh, your, your activity doesn't really disappear. It just slows down because you're now going from viewings from day to day to probably weekend to weekend as you get into the darker nights. And that's effectively what's happening right now. And it's what you say, Jimmy. It's like, you know, people are coming around and they're saying, well, I'm going to have to come back during the day now because the garden's, you know, it's dark. I really can't see it. Um, so my advice to anyone doing dunes is take people around outside first. Um, then go inside uh, at, this time, at this time of year because by the time you get outside and all the questions are asked and you might have a, a lot more questions than you expect um, from your potential buyer, then you might end up finding it it's... it's you know, dark, and therefore the person can't really tell where the sun's going to go down or where yeah. the sun's going to hit. So if you take them right round straight away and say, look, you know, when they come to the front door, it's easy enough to say, look, you know, probably just advise them at this point in time, it's like, you know, by the time we're finished this, it'll probably be dusk. It'll maybe be a bit darker. Maybe we'll not be able to see enough. So do we want to do the outside first? And we'll just cover the garden and the back garden as well. And then we'll go inside and have a look at the inside. Um, and that's an easy way to do that. Then you're at the front anyway, and then you take them around the side, and then you take them around the back, um, and then you go in the back door possibly. So maybe plan for that route if you're doing viewings um, during, during that period of time. 
what you're saying, Jim, as well. If you time it right, you can actually maybe able to plan it where you start seeing exactly where the sun's setting. So you'll know yeah. exactly where you're going to be evening times uh, of having the sun. So you know exactly if you it's a house that you love, where you can position or you can already forward plan how you're going to set your garden up for, for that time of year once you potentially... It's the first thing I do, Jimmy. First thing I do now when I go out to see people's properties is I go out the back garden and I immediately look where is south. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I say, yeah. what time is it now? Is it three o'clock, right? It's over there. So south is right there. That's almost south right there. So I know the sun's going to go up at 90 degrees from that this way to my left-hand side. And I know it's going to go 90 degrees down on the other left-hand side, on the right-hand side of that. So I'm able to tell where the sun goes up uh, and comes down. Um, so then I can look at the garden and say, okay, uh, the sun comes up, you're going to get it on the front, uh, on the on the, the the closest to the house, you're going to get the sun all the day there, and then probably when it comes to late afternoon, you're going to have to gravitate towards the rear of the garden, and then I'll look about how the garden should be planned, if that's the case, and how I should how I should talk about the garden when I'm walking through our video, and the fact yeah. that you can put decking to the bottom, but it would maybe be advisable to put decking to the bottom corner, because that's where the sun sets. Because mm -hmm. we as uh, Britons, uh, and the, you know, the Europeans know this, uh, we tend to spend a lot of time towards the evening in our garden. We don't mm -hmm. spend a lot of time in the morning, whereas the Spanish and Europeans apparently spend more time in the morning in their garden. Um, yeah. And they do less time in the evening. So that's where you have to plan out where the sun's going to come up and where it's going to set and see if there's any advantage actually in marketing the property to actually um, uh, highlight these issues. It, it's it's um, and I, again I, I go to talk about video. You can't replicate that kind of uh, that kind of speech. You can't replicate that in writing because it's um, so it, it's so it's so distinct and it's so particular and it's so long. People will just switch off straight away. So therefore, you have to have video in order to market the property in order to tell people that's what it is. I said it to someone the other day. This is actually going off the beaten track about. This is quite important to people out there thinking about selling their house. They see a beautiful video of their house and they see a lovely drone footage of their house. And their house looks absolutely fantastic, but there's no animation on the drone and there's no talk up on the video. Mm -hmm. So how do you think anybody is going to buy the property is going to buy it? Because they don't know anything about your house at all. And in, in real terms, the video and the drone footage you've just seen does not tell anybody outside of your realm and your thinking what, what your property is and what how it appeals to them. Yeah. All it does is make you feel good about your property because... You know it. So you exactly. know the answers to the questions that you're asking for this video, whereas the buyer looks at that video and looks at the drone footage, effectively what are called silent movies with music on them, um, and all they do is go, yeah, it looks good, but it doesn't really tell me much. <laughs> it, yeah. just, it just looks like, a, yeah, okay, it looks what it is. I could have seen that in the photographs. Why did I need to pay for the, the drone footage and why did I need to pay for that? Because it tells me nothing else other than that. Maybe drone footage could give the game away and say it's close to a golf course, it's close to, you know, by by um, by assumption, it's close to the sea. But it doesn't actually tell you that because no one's telling you that. No one's saying that. No one's been emotive about that. And that's why talking pictures is what I do and, uh, and why animated video um, drone footage animated showing people where it is in proximity to the airports, where it's in proximity to train stations, where it's in proximity to the beach, the harbour, the Fife Coastal Path. I'm almost going into our script here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is in relation to where you're actually going to be staying. That's why people want to buy your property. Hey, we know it's got three bedrooms and it's a semi-detached property already because that's why we clicked on it. <laughs> tell, us something, tell us something different. Show us something more.
get us to get us on the hook. That's what it's about. <laughs> but actually, it's true what you're saying, though, Jim. And to go back, I know we're kind of going off the beaten track here a little bit, but we're actually not. When you go back to when we were talking about autumn's coming and what do you do when the, the weather's changing and the viewings, that's why our video is so important as well, because actually some people have bought from us just from seeing the video. So even yeah. if they can't view at night time and they can't view on a weekend, they've got that video. It's as good as them being in there, other than the fact if they're in there, they might want to kind of dive a bit more into certain rooms, but they can see everything about it in all its glory at the right time of the day. Yeah. So if people are not on social media and don't have the YouTubes and all the channels that we're screening on, it's strongly advisable when the weather's changing for you to be able to do that because that gives you all access, all areas really to the to the house, doesn't it? It's also the things like when you when you when you when you're round. Uh, people often wonder why I look out every single window, and the reason I look out every single window is I want to see what anybody's going to see first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the sort of, that's why I'll do it. So I want to see what they'll see first thing in the morning um, mm -hmm. when they get up. And some for some people, it might be, wow, the sun's going to be over there. And by the way, the sea is just over there, or it's mm -hmm. going to be blue skies. Now, the assumption is, you, you notice it most of the time, if you look at the sea, you usually see typically blue skies over the sea. But as soon as you look behind you on the inland, it's all of a sudden it's dark mm -hmm. and the cloudy. And, and, mm -hmm. it's, and it's weird. But it's true. There's more blue skies over the seas than there is in land all the time. I don't know what that is, if it's to do with the climate or the way the sea is and everything like that. Maybe the reflection as well. The sea. As well yeah. Maybe what causes it. But there's, you tend to find there's less cloud over the sea than there is in land, and it looks a lot brighter as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot to do with things. So if you've got something pointing towards the sea, it's something to, it's something to highlight and take advantage of, especially mm -hmm. when you're doing talk-up videos. Mm -hmm. um, or, 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 you know, hi. Okay, um, so let's get back to here then. Let's talk yeah. about repurposing your household water. As long as there's nothing too toxic in the water, I mean, like soap and detergent. This was actually quite interesting. Andrea said this. <laughs> when I was little, we used to have a sign over our bathroom door saying, save the water, bath with a friend. <laughs> and it's true. I remember, I do remember that every single time. And every single time, it was like, right, who's in the bath next? And unfortunately, I was the poor relation, and I had to <laughs> swim in everybody's filth. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it was like tide marks over the bath and everybody else, because I was last in line. Mm. That's what it used to be, wasn't it? I mean, gosh, Sunday night was bath night before school, wasn't it? Because you didn't you didn't have showers and everything like we do now. Yeah, um, I, I, so listen, I've got to say, everybody's talking about the energy crisis and the fact that they'll nobody be able to heat their homes, and I'm like, well, hold it. I mean, 50 years ago, we really didn't have central heating. We all sat, we all sat round by a fire in the living room, and that was it. You went to your bed, and you had blooming 20 quilts on your bed, and you you kept your clothes on, and you you know you just got up in the morning, and all the windows were condensation on them, and it's like you know, and you were Baltic. Yeah, I used to just get when I when I was wee, I just used to jump out of my bed, and I was dressed already. There you go. <laughs> and then I even used to do my paper round. I used to put my I used to put my clothes on top of my jammies because <laughs> it was too cold to change. I just used to put them on top and just go outside and do my paper round. It's true. But, I remember I remember one night going in because I had a younger sister. She's seven years younger than me, and I remember when we were younger. I might have been maybe twelve or thirteen, so she would have been like six or seven at the time. And I remember she obviously she was going to bed earlier than I was. And I remember one time going in bed and thinking, gosh, she's been awful fidgety because the three girls all shared one room. 
And I remember thinking, gosh, she's been over fidgety. She's actually upside down in her bed. And she wasn't, she was lying in her bed the proper way, but she had socks on her hands because she was freezing. <laughs> so uh, let's, right, we've, we've walked in that we've completely changed the subject, haven't we? So, you know, as the, the bathwater thing, eh? you know, if you're not putting anything in your bathwater, can't you reuse that? There's a possibility. You can imagine scooping with the bathwater out. Um, hey, might get to that sometime at some point. Uh, so, using grey water from washing is perfectly fine for plants, um, flowers, and grass, and can mitigate the effects <coughs> of the pipe bands and save water and reduce your bill as well. Now, in Scotland, we obviously don't have that. In England, they do. They have metered water, um, and they're private water companies. But in Scotland, we just uh, it gets added onto your council tax bill. Mm. Um, that's effectively it. So, there is ways to actually save water, and this is what we talked about recently in the beginning. We touched on this. Mm -hmm. Collect shower water within a well-placed washing-up bowl or a bucket. Scoop out water from baths or water or, or water basins. Uh, let washing machines and dishwashers drain into a bucket, provided there's no huge amounts of detergent in it. Remember, mm. you know what? Because uh, and provided you're not actually putting it onto something that you're going to eat, because then effectively mm. you're just putting it into the plant, and then the plant soaks up all these all these all these toxics for for want a better phrase mm. and then you then go and eat them again and then it goes into yeah. your body and you know so that's that's no great thing um, no. So, um and buy a water butt to collect rainwater in the future this is what i talked about and store gray water now they're exempt from hose pipe bands and you can find designer alternatives to um, as to the standard plastic monsters that you have we mm. used to get the old um the malt barrels the big huge malt barrels mm. the, the blue ones from uh, distillers um, distillers used to used to throw them out sometimes, or used to know somebody that worked in distillers, and you would be able to get a malt barrel, and then you just cut the top off it, and you'd stick it at the back for you know the the hose pipe, and it must have God, it must have had about what I don't reckon, uh, maybe a hundred liters or something like that. There was yeah. something there was something crazy it held, but it was perfect for rainwater um, at the back of your garage or the back of your shed. Mm -hmm. um, and easily you could do it with your house as well. I mean, everybody's got a downpipe at their house, so it's easy enough yeah. just to take the downpipe and redirect it into a bar of water um, if, it come, if, it come, if it comes to that. But a lot of people just don't actually think like that because we're not we're not taught these things anymore. We're, we're not, and I think it, also it's a bit of a kind of instant kind of throwaway. Everything's a rush, so we just kind of go for that ping, quick way of doing things nowadays, don't we? We live in an instant microwave society. Mm -hmm. Ping. We, we want everything yeah. now. Everything's just a throwaway society, and I could get on my high horse and be an old not person. Again. <laughs> <laughs> not again. But one of the things that you've not mentioned there, Jim, about, and yeah. I know it's not, a, it's not a big thing, and it's not, not a I do as well. So if I've got um, fresh flowers in the house in a vase, and obviously you need to refresh that water sometimes. Yeah. If I'm refreshing the water, the water that's in there, I actually take it out in the garden and I'll pour it into one of my pots. Because yeah. the water is still water. It doesn't, you know, what's the point of throwing it away? I, I put it into the pots and it'll water like two or three little plants. Mm. But what one used to actually say that it's, it's something that's never, it's never taught in school. It's mm -hmm. because it's just looked as a, a normal thing now and it's almost expected that you're just going to turn the tap on and water's going to come out anytime you want. Um, you go to a third world, no chance. That's yeah. a luxury. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's it's a luxury maybe the whole village has got for one one point in the whole place from a well Absolutely. which possibly isn't even treated properly mm -hmm. so we've actually become so accustomed to that it's almost just like a normal thing and day well mm -hmm. it's a day-to-day -day thing for us so we just switch on the water and we get hot and cold water anytime we want mm -hmm. so you know it's something we've just got to learn to live with 
as we move on and more things happen in terms of climate change uh, and in terms of in terms of hosepipe bans and stuff like that. Yeah. But if you want, to, if you want to get a really radical, as I said before, take a look at TikTok, um, uh, a TikTok video by the by the uh, forty five zero, um, where a husband and wife team have siphoned one hundred and fifty liters of used bath water with a hose pipe um, and highly effectively, but but it's not for the squeamish. Remember, um, so you know that. But TikTok, TikTok is good for something. You know, it does give you a lot of good ideas. You know, some people actually use it as a as a, a really good and effective medium to actually spread a message, um, alongside uh, alongside that sort of Instagram as well. So it's the same sort of thing. TikTok and Instagram kind of go hand in hand. Kind of think TikTok's winning though. <laughs> Instagram yeah. seems to be the poor relation now. Mm. Um, and 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 uh, yeah, loads and loads of tips on there to actually repurpose your household water. There is a lot of tips, and there's lots of ways you can do it. I don't know if I want to be doing the bathwater thing, though. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the how, how on earth, I mean, the I logistics of trying to siphon off your bathwater and like, like you used to do with the petrol. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm not. I, that might come to him if these figures keep going up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, planting for the hotter weather. Um, What could we do with that then? Well, if your garden or your balcony is, is wilted with the heat, um, you're never going to really get good blossoms. You need to be careful. So it's about there's several ways that you can kind of overcome that. And it is about, you know, looking at rival and sustainable ways of doing things and recognising actually what will grow in your garden and what won't. Sorry, that's Billy just take the dog out. <laughs> um, to recognise what will grow and what won't. So it's about picking yeah. those right things. Otherwise, you could just be throwing money away, couldn't you? So yeah. many drought-tolerant many plants work. Um, and funnily enough, actually, I've got uh, two additions to my garden that I didn't expect. And I think it is because that garden has been in the sun quite a bit this year. But when we moved in, there was like two trunks. They'd obviously chopped something down. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. They were maybe sticking about that much out the ground. And now they're about this big. And I've got literally two beautiful palm trees starting to grow. I was going to say that because I, I remember when I sold next door, there was a couple of palm trees out the back garden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they'd always cut them down and now they're growing again and they just look beautiful. So I've made a feature of them. They've created something in my garden. I've put pebbles around about them so that they really pop out of the, the ground. Yeah. But I don't really do anything with them. And so it's, you know, they're just looking after themselves, to be honest with you. So it's about just being smart with what you plant as well. I think that makes a big difference. And UK gardens, we're not used to it, are we? You go to kind of tropical places and the, the gardens are always lovely and it's always green and lush things. Um, it's not always flowering that you see, but British gardens tend to be flowering, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I so have I a huge overgrown garden, and it's like a mountain to climb every time you look at that back window. You think to yourself, jeez. It's like I just cut the, we just cut the hedge last week. Uh, Jimmy, what's your garden like just now? Um, it's all right. It's all right. It's a lot better than when we when we first moved here. Um, some roots in between the slabs, our seating area, which aren't great. Um, and on our stone, we've got half half lawned to the side and half stone chipped. And there's some yeah weeds and roots just coming up of the stone chipped areas where the trampoline is, which I need to niche to deep need to de-weed. But um, it's not too bad actually. I'm quite happy with it. I must say, I'm not too bad at cutting the grass and keeping on top of them. Sort of sort of uh, low maintenance. 
Yeah, I'm trying to make it. I would... it's, it's the easy gig, isn't it? Just to go straight for the stone chips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people probably won't want to hear this, but I would love to, uh, I would like to astroturf the grass area because the kids can still play on it, but it's not very environmental fairy for the wildlife and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the grass is good. It's just quite, a, well, you'll know it's quite a big back garden that I've got. But And then you'll have to hoover the lawn now and again if you astroturf it. Yeah, and if you have... <laughs> What I didn't think about what someone was telling me is, oh, you astroturf it, but then if you get pets and they do their business on there, then you're going to have to wash it as well. And I was like, right, I'll just grass, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it could be more work, actually, than just getting the lawnmower out, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's exactly. nothing more. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, when you smell freshly cut grass. Yeah, that's what summer, I mean. When the sun's out and you just get that wet, freshly cut grass mm -hmm. smell. And it, nice. and it just hits you. It just takes you right back to, for me, it takes me right back to school sports days. And, yeah. and I've got a funny feeling it's because because the people at the council ran out to the park and went, oh, my God, we better get the grass cut to the school sports day today. <laughs> and that was, that was effectively, that's effectively what they did. It's like, we better get this cut. It's the school sports day today. Uh, and that was because it was always when we were walking up to the King George V Park. It's like, I smell cut grass <laughs> every single time. So it must have just been that every single time we had the school sports day, they, they ran out and cut the grass. But the amount of times I've gone and gone to see properties, valued them, they come into the market the next week, and you turn up in the back garden, and they've cut the grass and spent an hour weeding the weeding the slabbed area. How it transforms a property from the outlook is unbelievable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So back to this, Perry, when you were talking about things like, um, uh, you know, um, plants for hotter weather, um, what else, what other tips have you got? So, yeah, so, I mean, the kind of plants you're looking at, and I've got them in my garden, they're gorgeous. So geraniums are a big thing, and they last, yeah. and they don't need a lot of looking after, and you just get a really good pop of colour. Um, blue Eringo is really lovely as well. And actually, I must thank Carol, who you I met last week, because she dropped some Blue Eringo off to me, which was really nice of her. Um, and those sort of things just kind of grow and they don't take much looking after. So, again, you're not having to water them a great deal. So that's grand. But if you're planting in the summer, buy established plants, I think, is a good thing as well. Um, that have already had the chance to grow and develop their roots because then they're going to really take quite easily in the garden as well. So that's always a good thing. Trees and climbers and, and shrubs that are kind of weathered for kind of every season are always a yeah. good thing as well because, again, they don't need looking after too much. But actually, you'll maybe get some pops of colour from them in the summer, but then in the autumn and winter you're getting the lovely greens from them as well and all the different colors of green and oranges and browns that will come along and then they'll repeat year after year so evergreens are a good thing for that as well um and some perennials probably, probably just more probably just more, more put a trellis or a, a, a mm -hmm. alcohol out um rather than actually let it creep right up the side of your house yes um, a lot of people actually just forget about it completely and the next minute when they go to see their house it's like the whole thing's covered in ivy it looks really nice and photogenic but it does cause immense problems later on because it mm -hmm. can actually affect your hardling and it could be, end up becoming boss and it can affect it can actually keep water in it as well and moisture and actually mm -hmm. soak in through your walls um so yeah. there is and it's difficult to actually come off sometimes so you often just have to cut the bottom of the roots um, and then just let it wither, um, and then then take it off from there. Mm -hmm. um, but it can leave quite a lot of damage if you if you're not done it right. So just be careful if that doesn't get out of your hand, and you keep it you keep it managed, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not just on the walls, though, Jim, but even on your fences and your sheds. Um, two sheds that were in this property when we moved in, 
they had ivy on the roofs and I've tried to take it off and it literally is so embedded now it's just ripping the roof off the shed so we've just yeah. had to leave it and keep cutting it back and leaving it just now until yeah. we put a new shed up because otherwise it's not going to be watertight so you might think it looks nice but there's there's impracticalities as well if you're not careful yeah. how you do it and you dig through the ivy and you find a bike or a car there's a bike here <laughs> that's true <laughs> but if you're up for a whole getting back to it though if you're up for a whole new look uh, for your outside space um the royal horticultural society they have some great stuff and ideas so again go online and yep. have a look at that what they do so they've got some great ideas and advice on drought resistant gardening and the best way to go around that um I remember when we were younger and um, we used to watch beech grove gardens on the telly because my mum and dad used to like watching it to understand what they did in the garden every season but they do come up with some good tips these types of places and we're online now you can get access to all that type of information on how best to do it for yourself can't you yeah absolutely uh, i'm going to put a link on the royal horticultural Hor society if i could say that right put my teeth in i know yeah, it's a bit of a fungus, comment below. um <laughs> I could do that right now. Um, so there it is coming along. So that's the Royal Horticulture. All right, okay, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to even attempt to say it again and embarrass myself. It's like it's uh, www.rhs.org.uk and that will get you the main website. And then if you want to do Scotland, slash uh, Scotland. Uh, but it's in the comments anyway, so feel free to actually click on there and you get a lot of good tips uh, from that organisation. Um, Jimmy, um, what's the next step, the final ones? You know, um, you know, diverting attention from your lawn? You know, what's all that about? Yeah, um, I think Perry's done that in her garden from what I can see and what she's yeah. been telling me is in the office. But um, lawns have an unquenchable thirst for in the scorching summers. And it's not realistic to keep them as as green as centre court at Wilburton, especially with the stripes that they get. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I always try and do that in my garden, get the stripes, but they're always a bit uh, a bit wavy. <laughs> I tell you what, I've had it a couple of times, and it, it there's something weird about it. it. Makes you feel a real sense of accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was... And and and, I, and it's that mindset that these that advertising and marketing has actually conditioned everybody to think that if you've got stripes in your lawn, your lawn's perfect. Yeah. Am, am I, I right? A, or am I right? We had a Charlotte's mum and dad go on holiday to to France every every year for about four weeks, and you have to go around there and help them say grow veg and cut the grass and stuff. But I'm not allowed to cut the grass because. Charlotte has to do a certain way that her dad does, go around the borders and then make sure they get in the stripes. <laughs> so Absolutely. it's definitely like that. But So Andrea says no one will look at your lawn if you have a cute dog or a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the lawn. Look, the car. How to detract people from an area you don't want them to really know about <laughs> when you're doing viewings. Send your dog or cat out at the same time. People will focus <laughs> that on that you? and they'll not even see what's going on round about them. That's obviously but, your tactic then, Jim, because you've got cats, you've got chickens, you've got a tortoise, <laughs> you've got everything going on. Badgers, foxes, <laughs> even hedgehogs. Nothing to see here. <laughs> right, nothing to see. Send the troops in. Divert attention. But people don't need to fear um, when the scorching heats because healthy lawns can manage for three to four weeks without water. Um, yeah. And grass usually turns green again when it rains. 
Um, I'm sure everybody's experienced that with the heat and then the thunderstorm as we discussed and lawns are coming back to back to bloom again. So unless you, paint it, unless you paint it like they did for the open. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? You remember that when the open was on one year and it was so hot that everything had gone brown, especially the, the top rims of the bunkers. So they went round with actual uh, actual artificial paint and they put it onto the grass to make it all look green for the cameras. Yeah, and um, I know a couple of times when it's brown, they they have to put lines around the greens so you know whether you're on the green and can mark your ball or not, especially when it goes, well, basically it's dead because it's so brown and they're trying to make it really firm and tricky. Mm. But people shouldn't, rather than fight against it, just go with the flow and divert attention yeah. as we say elsewhere with with color basically yeah okay um so planting think... summer blooms that are already flowering in beds and containers maybe that's a good idea it's like what you said perry about nipping down to the mm. local garden center and getting pre pre-organized or pre-made more or less mm. um blooms there and just sit them right there no need yeah, to cause um, a fuss just take them and put them down definitely and it's a really easy way to do it um but for everyone out there, if you've not seen the video that I did as well, though, remember, Dave, down by the Heritage Railway, go down and see him because you'll get some great deals down there and he does some really lovely plants. So, yeah. And it goes to the Leaving Food Bank, so you're helping them two things. So sorry, I just diverted there a little bit, but he's really great <laughs> for giving me plants. Um, but I, yeah, it's true, and it, it's about just doing that in an economical way. Um, what I'm looking forward to next year, because I'm more settled in this house, is actually I'm going to start um, doing everything myself from seeds, and I'm going to grow my own. So actually, I'm not going to need to pay, spend a fortune going to the garden centres. I can grow multiples here that will fill my garden for about a quarter of the price. So there's little ways there as well where you can put maybe that little bit of effort in in the kind of early spring to make your summer fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So jazzing up your, you, you know, that's probably one that you'll do, jazzing up your furniture, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> you light up straight away. Jazzing up your furniture, vibrant cushions, garden rugs, throws. Um, yeah. Use paint to add a colourful cheer, uh, a cheerful summer vibe to the to the to a, a plain wall. That's actually really mm -hmm. quite a good one. You see, usually the wall, and then somebody maybe whitewashes it, or they maybe do a nice uh, a nice light blue, especially in the East Nuke uh, or near seaside places. Mm -hmm. A nice light blue, and then you put things like uh, well, you've seen it when you go along the coastal path along at Lower Largo. You've got um, things like old life boy rings. Um, yeah. And then you've got, you know, you've got um, maybe ships or you've got, you know, uh, ceramic tiles on mm -hmm. there as well. And it just looks, it just looks really nice. It makes you have that feel. And then you put yeah. a pebble dash in the bottom corner, you know, a, a just um, um, small pebbles and that, mm -hmm. just a, a brown colour. And then you've got a wee rockery over to the side. It's like, it's like I've got a wee um, a garden in my mind, uh, mm -hmm. uh, an imagination of what, 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 what it would be like. But I've seen that, I've seen it many times that it's almost like a blueprint, a formula for success when you're doing your garden. Yeah. It really is. And what I love as well, when you go kind of lower Lago onwards along the East Nook, you see a lot of people using the old creels as well, the fishermen's creels in their gardens. Yeah. There's no rope and everything. And I don't know, there's just something that's really great about it. And you're hearing the sea behind you and it just, you're part of the whole experience, isn't it? It's all your senses start kicking into how beautiful it all is. Yeah. And, and it's when you're out for things like a walk along the beach. So if you're out for a walk along the beach and you've got driftwood, you know, just a wee, no, I'm not talking about a big tree trunk. I'm just talking about bits of driftwood. <laughs> just bit, bits of driftwood, a bit of seashell now and again. And, and it just it just looks really nice and, and decorative round about your um round about your garden. Uh, 
Another one as well, I actually see in these new quite a lot as you go to some of the some of the certain certain areas going along the coastal path from I think St Monans to St Monans St Monans to Pitt and Weyman onto Anshuler. You can see there's a lot of coves and they've got a lot of um, uh, broken up shell. Yeah, got loads of broken up shell. And by the way, if you've got hens, that is good as grits for your hens' digestion. So that broken up shell, the wee minute shell, they actually mm -hmm. you put it in the feed. So you've got normal pellets for your hens, and you actually put that in the feed, some of it, just a wee, a wee drop, and it actually aids your hens' digestion. It also gives them calcium as well, which is good for the hardening of their shells when they lay their eggs. Okay. So there's okay, lots well, of lying about, and yet you've, uh, got, you've got to go and pay for it in the pet shop, and it's like, it's, it's all over the beach. It's like, why would you go just pick it up for there? Um, and, and it's because it's just minute amounts, uh, you know, just wee tiny, tiny bits of uh, shell. And, and it's great for your hens. Your hens, uh, it's really good for the aids of digestion and it also helps their, their egg formation. Just a wee top tip today. You never thought you'd, <laughs> tips on, you never thought you'd begin tips on rearing livestock, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> We're I'll, mindful I'll be, of I'll be talking about cows next week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come on the show with rubber gloves on whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you're right though about the colour popping. You don't have to just do it all with plants. Um, you know, I've got the the colourful cushions, the outdoor rugs. Funnily enough, I was just speaking to Billy about it this morning because the last couple of days it's been quite wet, and I was saying maybe we should roll the rugs up and put them in the shed for the winter. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that yet. But they are good ways of doing it, and you get so many different patterns and colours as well. So again, just putting it on your deck or your patio. You know, if you've not managed to even do your deck this year, it's a great way to kind of camouflage it. Yeah, as well. yeah, it you're right there. So Billy's skipped over autumn completely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now now we're coming into winter. <laughs> He's not even giving anybody a chance for the autumn. No, we're done. We're done. Summer's over. <laughs> Summer's over. Pack everything up. That's it. We'll just sit in the house and, and, and brood. That's it. Get the one burner on. <laughs> But there are loads of good ways that you can colour things up. And you get, as you say, even if you have got old ornaments as well. I had my poor wee granny, and when she passed about seven years ago, she had two owls in her garden, stone owls, and they've been in her garden for decades. I remember as a kid, like, really thinking they were fab. Um, and I've now got them in my garden, but they were starting to look a bit jaded. And I just went to B&Q and I got some stone paint, and I, like, just repainted them and designed them and everything, and they're back in the garden now. And it's such a great... Yeah personal thing but they look fab and it's brought the color so it's when we talk about garden furniture we spoke about this before haven't we don't let it get all jaded and went and wilted looking your furniture and all dried and scratchy get a wee pot of paint just fix it all up it's amazing how it can improve your garden without actually spending a great deal of money which everyone is very conscious of at the moment with what's been going on what do you do if you're not into these bright colors and and a huge you know like my 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 place has to be like the Chelsea Flower Show, you know what have you what have you known to that sort of thing? What what is there anything you can do? Yeah, if you're not into that, that's fine. You you can have just green and that be beautiful. Yeah. Your plants can be color. Your, your pots can be colorful. Um, my decking, for instance, when we just redone it, I've painted it black. Believe it or not, why would yeah. you paint it black? But actually, it looks great. And so you've just got a couple of pots on it, and that is given colour and contrast. So colour and contrast is not about being orange and yellow and pink and red. You know, it can be greys and blacks neutrals, and blues. Just the neutrals, the things the like the greys yeah, and the, and the hay look and the, the wheatgrass look and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. And you can make it beautiful. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it, it's more muted rather than actually more accentuated. Yeah, I think not everyone wants it bright, and you know, a lot of people do want to tone it down. It's not a problem, as you say. And a lot of Scandinavian countries, if you look at what they do, everything's kind of neutral when it's calm and it's lanterns and it's nice. Yeah. So you know, it doesn't have to be about color. Um, your lawn being beige is, you know, can still be beautiful because you can do other things with it around it. You mm -hmm. know, if it's wilted. Um, but, so many the, great things you can do. But the key is, the key is probably with your garden, with it being another usable outdoor space, like people wanted to find, is actually. When when you're when you're doing viewings, make sure that it is actually possible to find defined like that to the potential mm -hmm. viewer that's coming round. So it's about it's about you it's about you making sure you contact your agent when you're going to if you're if you're doing the viewings. By the way, if you're doing the viewings, it's making sure you contact your agent, find out about that person, and find out about what they like and what floats their boat, um, and, uh, and and actually playing to that. So if, if if they like the idea of spending most of their time out in the garden, then make sure. Um, your gardens, I, I, it's not going to take much. It makes sure if you've got furniture lying about or something like that, don't use old furniture, by the way, old rickety, mm -hmm. broken down stuff. Um, just kind of, we'll have done other shows with that. So if you look back on the helpful guides that we're actually promoting in our YouTube list, you will find other shows like that, how to revitalize your furniture. Mm -hmm. We talk about that um, and, and what to do it in a cost effective way um, in order to make this look like a usable outdoor space. Because that's effectively what your audience is going to be coming around to look for. If it's somebody that doesn't want to look, it doesn't really care about the garden, and they're not really that into garden, then make sure your garden looks like it's low maintenance more than mm -hmm. anything. So they realise it's not going to be a lot of hassle. So it's about finding out what your what's going to what's really going to um, what's really in the mind of your potential buyer or potential viewer when they come round, and understanding how to play to their needs. Mm -hmm. That's that's really important, actually. Um, and we often, when we're registering people who are looking to purchase with us, discuss what obviously all of their requirements, but not just about what the house is like. You know, are you looking for garden space? And a lot of people will say, "Oh, gardens a must," but others will say, "Actually, no, gardens not for me. I'm no gardener. I'm not really fussed yeah. if it's got one or not." You know, if it's just no, that's cool. when you say, "I'll not tell you about the fifteen hundred square meters that comes with it." Then <laughs> exactly, but it's true. <laughs> Some people just want a wee courtyard gym, somewhere they can just put a seat and a table and sit outside. They don't want to be having all the fuss because the, their lifestyle just might not warrant it and don't have the time or the energy or the desire to do it. Everyone's got which a different for, idea. For me, uh, at Main Street in Upper Largo, I mean, that's the perfect one for that. It's got the two Absolutely. parking bays. I mean, you very rarely get any parking up in Upper Largo anyway. And you've mm -hmm. got two parking bays with the property and you've got a wee courtyard garden at the back, which mm -hmm. is actually quite private and it's straight off mm -hmm. your lounge. Um, so it's it's ideal for somebody that just doesn't want to do the garden. Uh, and then effectively, when people say, I really do want a garden, I say, well, you know, just toodle off down the serpentine on the beach and you've got a garden that's looked after by someone else. Yeah. True. But you had the same experience as well, Jimmy, the other day, um, 16 Kinlock in Ladybank. Yeah. The wee courtyard bit at the back, you know, the lady there was like, that's not a problem for me, that's perfect, that's what I've had before, it's not an issue for me. You yeah. know, so everyone has a different thing. Just because maybe my view is I like a garden, that's not what everyone's looking for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it is about playing to your needs now. Okay, let's wrap mm -hmm. up. Uh, final words on this, Jimmy. What would what would be the one thing we've discussed today that you'd tell people um, to or advise people to do? I would say if they're if they're on the market, what we finish with is the best thing that you can that you can ask is ask your agent about who's coming and why they're coming. So yeah, good point. Come in, age, why they come in. So 
whilst they're attracted to them house, if it is the garden, make sure that you're getting the garden looking tip top for that. If it, if it's going off subject, but if it's something else in the house that's making them cover for it, making sure that's looking tip top. So yeah. scheduling and planning your, your viewing around why the buyer is coming for to view your property. Excellent. Good, good advice. Pelly, what about yourself? I think for me, it's curb appeal. Um, and it's about understanding what the people that are coming to look at your property are looking for in regards to that curb appeal. But you can do that minimalistically. It doesn't need to be expensive. Um, just make it look nice. Take the time out to do it. But find quick and easy, tricky ways to do it rather than something that's taken a lot of your investment. Because actually, if it's something that takes up a lot of your time, chances are you're not going to pay attention to it every day. And actually, that will harm the garden. So it's all these little tips that we've shared today, plus whatever else the person coming to see the house is looking for, just be as organised and structured as you can and take advantage of the weather as we've got it. Absolutely. My, my final words on this would probably be if, if the garden is something somebody really wants when they're coming along to see your property and it's a big thing to them, then make sure the garden is the wow factor of the, of the place. Um, mm -hmm. What I would say, though, is if it is sunny outside and it is nice and quiet, so make sure traffic in that is not a thing, because if you go outside, you're standing in the garden, and they're zoom, 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 but you're trying to tell them at the end, it's like negotiate a deal with them, and then everything like that's happening in the background, and they can't hear you as a result of it, then it tells them straight away that the garden is not the place for them. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you understand that. Also, don't take them out there last if it's pouring in rain. Um, you'll have to bring them into another, prop into another uh, potential room which is the next wow factor in your house um, to, 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 to discuss anything at the end with them about final words or final thoughts on what they want or what, what they would be prepared to offer for your property. That's really the best advice I can give someone. Um, mm -hmm. So use the garden to the most advantage as possible. You've been getting a lot of top tips for here. And uh, and if you want any more, any more information, please feel free to contact us. Uh, you can message us directly, no bother, but there is a contact uh, details on this post itself. You can read this over again in the in the post here because there's a link on here to the uh, the the show will go on there and the podcast will go up as well, so you can listen to it while you're in your car, or you can just read the article. It's a four minute article to read through to get more information about what we just discussed today. But all we are doing is putting our own perspective and information and uh, and our ideas towards this as well to give you a bit more factual information. And that's it, guys, um, from us today. Thank you very much for listening in and watching the Five Property Show. And bye-bye uh, for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>